Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Jeremy Scheinwald here with another episode of Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Our podcast is produced by Venture for America, a fellowship program for enterprising recent college graduates who launch their careers as entrepreneurs and help revitalize American cities. After five weeks of training, VFA fellows spend two years in the trenches of a startup in an emerging U.S. city where they learn how to contribute to a high-growth business. Afterwards, VFA provides the mentorship, network, and resources fellows need to become entrepreneurs. To learn more about Venture for America and to support our work, you can visit VentureForAmerica.org. As I always note, I've been involved with VFA since its inception and I'm a huge advocate. I, I really, truly wish VFA had been around when I graduated, although I, I, uh, I had a lot of fun and, you know, finding my path to entrepreneurship. I, uh, I ultimately ended up launching the Mission Driven Group. You can find us at missiondrivengroup.com. Um, we're a portfolio of student-related companies. Uh, please remember to like our show on this show on iTunes. And you can follow me now on Twitter, at Jeremy Scheinwald. I, uh, I joined Twitter a few weeks back in the hopes that I could save Twitter. Today, we have something a little bit different for a few reasons. We have uh, Dr. Tabitha Mir on the show. She's our first doctor. She's our first uh, personal brand. We'll get to that in the intro. <laughs> Dr. Mir started high school at the age of 12. She graduated when she was 16. Um, and then she went on to, um, through college, became, as I noted, a doctor. She went to NYU Med School. Um, she launched her practice as a dermatologist, then started her own dermatological skincare line, Mir Skin. Ultimately, she became a personal brand as well. She is a reality TV star. You may have seen her on The Singles Project. Um, and she has an ongoing social media and social presence. You can find her at New York Fashion Week or on Periscope or Instagram or Twitter or Play.it, which is what hosts this podcast. Um, she has her own podcast called Glamour, good pun. Um, we'll learn today where it all began and where it is ultimately going. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. There are hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. And because there's a drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com today to create your own website. The result is stunning. Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. 
Kavsim, thanks so much for thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. So you're you're a bunch of firsts for us on the show here. You're <laughs> the first doctor we've had. Um, you are, I think, the first person who we could say is truly a personal brand, and um, and you're the first child prodigy we've had on the show here. And I, I want to start with that. A first woman. No, uh, no we're, 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 I think we're close to 50-50. We're getting closer. Good. Yeah, we're good. something we're pretty proud of, actually. Um, so, um, I, like, yeah, I want to start back to, to when you were twelve because, yeah. um, you know, you you graduated from high school as a twelve-year-old. Like, I mean, I don't even know if there's sixteen. A, I started when I was twelve. Started when you were yeah, twelve. Okay, still young. Okay. Okay. Even I have to think about it. Yeah, it's ridiculous how young that is, right? Yeah. Okay. I was like, could you finish? Grad? I'm like, you'd have to be a real prodigy. Yeah. Um, no. Okay. I mean, even then, I mean, 16 is is still, um, you know, pretty advanced. Mm-hmm. Was there like what? I mean, what led you to that? Aside from like, hey, I'm smart enough to do this. Nothing. Did you my have parents, any? Did you have input? Did your parents say like, no, you're doing this? No. My parents were just, you know, I guess I was just always pretty ahead of myself. I never paid it. I never realized it. And one day my mom's like, okay, we have to send you to the special office to give you an IQ test. That's all she said. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant. I was five years old. And I remember them asking me a bunch of questions and I answered them. And the next thing you know, they, they're putting me up a grade. And I remember there's this discussion between my parents. Um, they were very pro, especially my mom. And I think being female, being a girl, I think you have more maturity at a younger age. I don't think they would have been able to do that for me if I were a guy. I think that just women, younger (laughs) girls are a little bit more able to focus, I think. It worked for me. I never paid attention to the age difference, except when people were talking about their ages. Then I got a little embarrassed. It's funny you say that because I took the same test uh-huh. and uh, and I passed. And my mother determined that I was too immature and I get the crap kicked out of me by older kids if uh. I if I skipped a grade. So, so you know um, what I'm talking about. I know. Well, I I, I uh, I'm I'm on the I I can I can confirm what you're talking about, which is uh, that that maybe guys in my case weren't weren't ready. Yeah. Um, but you were. I mean, was it so? It was a perfectly comfortable high school for you, graduating. It, it early happened way before. It happened way, it, like, for me. It was just in, being in, young in yeah. high school. It was totally. No, it wasn't a hundred percent great because I was um, definitely a lot younger than everybody else, um, and I didn't tell everybody because that was embarrassing. You know, when you're a kid and you're younger than everyone, and everyone else is getting their driver's license like in ninth grade, and right. I am still a senior without a driver's license. That was when it was a little, you know. That was when it was uncomfortable for me, things like that. But the relating from people, uh, it wasn't as big a deal for me. And were you, did you just jump to take some time off for college or was it just like no. jump right into college? If I had taken time off, there's no guarantee I would have come back. Do you know, like I was focused, I was ready to go and I just thought, let me get this over with. Let me get the school thing over with. Let me get this doctor thing over with and then I can do what I wanna do. So you did it all straight through. I did, yeah. Plowed, I plowed right through. There was a moment after college where our our med schools reached out to all of us, and I guess they had over um, accepted people, so they were actually asking people to defer a year. And I remember getting that letter, thinking, "Oh," but then I'm like, "You know what? I have no money. What would I do? Live with my parents for a year?" So I just I just went in, and I figured once I'm done, I can do what I want. So you you grew up in Michigan. I found a, sh- a shot of you with. Uh, 
with Isaiah Thomas online. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe it's Isaiah Thomas. So you grew up during the, the bad boys well, I era. I went to undergrad at Michigan. Okay. So, so they were huge at that time. Right. Yeah. And um, that's when it was just sort of like, and, and I, I go to this WNBA game and I'm sitting next to Zeke Thomas. I got invited through his friends and I'm like, I don't care. I just want to meet Isaiah because he was like the king when I was in, an undergrad and stuff. So that was pretty fab. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up actually with the with the with the NBC feed from Detroit into uh-huh. my house. When oh, I grew really? Up in Canada, so we got so much Pistons coverage during that oh, time. Oh my God, Pistons. Bill Lane Beer, and John, Mahore, Sally, and John yep, Sally, all of those guys. Yeah, After, Dennis era. Rodman before he was Dennis Rodman. You know, was was a Piston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before the tattoos, before before, before yeah, before the blonde hair and the Carmen Electra and whoever else he dated, yeah. So was it a typical childhood? Like were your parents were your parents like go 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 go? Uh, or were they? You know, I come from an ethnic background. Like we're we're uh, Kashmiri, but it's like Indian occupied. It, and people right. from that part of the world, they're very focused on education. My parents are f- coming in as immigrants. We're first generation. You are very focused on education, and I was just as equally focused. Everyone thinks it was my parents pushing me. People don't understand. I was my own biggest competition. I don't know where I got that from. I don't know how it happened, but they never pushed me any harder than I pushed myself. They definitely planted the seed for sure, um, but it was our culture. But I can't tell you everyone's like that. I was just equally as competitive with myself. Like if I had a best friend in high school who got an A and I got a B plus, I made sure I got that A next time. But it wasn't a personal confrontational thing. It was just internally, it was like a level for me to achieve, you know, with myself. And what did you, what did your parents do? Um, Doctor, yeah, dad. They were both doctors. Dad, or- physician, and mother, my mom was homemaker. Okay. Yeah, she had an education and a career in 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 Kashmir, but when she came over, she didn't do any of that. She was a, a high school administrator, and they call them headmasters. So, yeah. And would they have been? Would they have been? Do you think they would have been prepared for you if you would have said like, no, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to just roll the dice and be an entrepreneur now, or that try something different. Could have been a problem. Could have been a problem. But I, but the thing is, I don't know what I would have done. You know, like I didn't know what I would have done. There was no social media when I was in high school. I think I, what's been ironic about this whole thing is I had no idea. I was always good with like the tech stuff. Like if they needed like computer fixed or something put together, I they always had me do it. Even to this day, I, I put things together. And social media, there was just nothing like that. And I really had no idea. Like if I was, if I were like a, a kid right now, I would probably be doing something very heavy social media based because I'm really good at it and I had no idea. And I didn't have that when I was younger. Um, what I had that I was good at was school. And I made sure to do really well in it because I knew one thing, even if I don't love algebra, it's gonna get me something to closer to what I do love, you know? Right. And so you went to med school Yeah. and you know, med school teaches medicine, right? Yeah. So was there any part of you at all that was like, could, could the, the person who entered med school have, have imagined that you'd be, you know, you'd be doing something entrepreneurial, you'd have your own skincare line, you'd develop this personal brand, or were you just like, look, I'm gonna be a, a whatever you imagined, I don't know, a GP, a psychiatrist, whatever you imagined when you started med school, and that'll be that, it'll be a good life and I'll be a doctor. Yeah, that's what I thought when I started. Um, you know, I was 20 when I started medical school, I sat next to this guy who was 30 years old, and I don't know, I must have looked like a little kid, because he just looked at me, he goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I, what do you mean? He's like, you need to be on a yacht somewhere, and I couldn't understand the question. I'm like, yeah, what, huh? I, I I just thought I'd go to medical school. I'd probably become like an internist like my dad, like, you know, make however much money internists make and that would be it. And within two years, the first two years of med school are highly, highly academic and I really loved it. And then when you get to the second two years, it's all clinical and all of a sudden I realized 
the truth is you're amongst the most intelligent people you have to be to get into medical school, at least book smart, okay? And I'm dealing with practicing, with, you know, this learning all this super highly intelligent stuff. And next thing you know, I'm practicing it and people aren't listening, you know? Patients aren't listening. No one's listening to you. And I'm thinking to myself, this seems like such a waste of my time. Not that I don't want to help people, but all of us with all of this knowledge and we're dealing with so much resistance of people wanting to listen to it. So that was my first kind of letdown, like... You know, the days of listening to your doctor, I thought that was very authoritative. People would listen and they don't. You know, Ooh. you need to quit smoking or you're going to die. Oh, so what? I'm still going to smoke kind of right. thing. Right, right. So I just kind of became disenchanted with how it was going. Then you had everybody older than me telling me, oh, it sucks to be a doctor right now. You guys are making no money. Insurance is this, that, the other. So there was a lot of that coming down. Mm-hmm. And then I started feeling like, ugh, why did I do this? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, what did I do this for? And I'm like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to become a dermatologist because that's going to be good life. I get, get, you know, this, that, the other. And I started the whole dermatology thing, and I was really good at it for a long time. I started my own skincare line, and I just started thinking that, especially being in New York, there's so much more that I can do than if I were living in the middle of the country, and I'm going to take advantage of that. So yeah, so tell me about how the evolution, I, actually one quick question about medical school and then we'll move on to the, the evolution mm-hmm. from doctor to doctor with personal brand. Um, but I mean, I'm assuming they don't teach you one business Not class. Not one thing. Nothing. Not one thing. You, there's no time. So it's just all, it's all science all they the They don't even teach you how <laughs> to get a job after you finish med school. Like after you finish med school, you get, like when you finish high school, they, they teach you how to get into college. College, they teach you how to get to med school. Med school, they teach you how to get your residency. Imagine finishing your residency and then somebody says to you, hey, where, what do you do next year? Are you getting a job? Um, how do I do that? How, really, did, how did you do it? Um, I got, I didn't. I, um, I, I ended up. I just didn't listen to anybody else. You guys, they, were, they weren't making sense to me. They wanted me to interview with people in their 40s who were working for older doctors in their 60s. I was in my 20s. 40s seemed like an eternity before I could actually have my own autonomy. That just wasn't going to happen. So I just worked for somebody who was non-traditional. Like he was a nutritionist, and there was a couple other non-traditional healthcare professionals in there. And then shortly thereafter, I opened up my own practice because I felt a lot of backlash from these male doctors. They thought that I would just come in and be like their little, you know, puppet. And they had another thing coming for real. <laughs> so it was always just bucking the system, I guess. I don't know. I don't really. I just that was what motivated me. And so what came first? Like, did you start with this with, with Mearskin, your skincare line right away? Or no, did you not start at with all. building your. Oh, God, no. Your, I had my practice with these guys and I was seeing patients. And then I'm like, I got to leave this place. I was talking to my dad about it. I'm like, I'm just not happy there. They just basically want me to fill prescriptions for them, for pa- patients that aren't mine. And I'm not going to do that because um, I was the only MD in that little place. And so my dad's like, start your own thing. And so I'm like, well, what am I going to call it? New York City Dermatology. You know, and I had all these stupid names. And then one of my friends like, your last name's Mur or Mir? I'm like, Mir. How about Mir Skin? And at first I'm like, eh. They're like, wait a second. I kind of like it. And so that's what you went with? Mm-hmm. And so you opened up your own? Well, the big thing at that time is I got my own website. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Ooh, she has her own <laughs> website. Like, you have no idea. Like, nobody else is doing well, this that. Is early 2000s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know exactly when. 2003. So everyone's like, oh, she has her own website. And I'm like, yeah, it's really not that big a good deal. And then I went from a website to having an e-commerce to making my own skincare. And the skincare line was really like, okay, these patients are coming in to see me for acne, for wrinkles, for sun damage. I mean, they are going to see me how often. It's like if you had a personal trainer you saw your personal trainer maybe once a week. What are you going to do the rest of the time? 
And that's why I created my skincare line. It's something for your skin the rest of the time. So your skin, your skincare line preceded any of the social media stuff. This is like early 2000s, you develop your own skincare line. Yep. And I mean, how, how did that work? Like, how did you, I mean, I, it was just like you have the know-how from being a dermatologist yeah. just to create yeah. A, yeah. a skincare line? Yeah, you, basically, yeah, because you're, you know, you're taught all these ingredients and what works and what doesn't work. And I, I paired myself up with a chemist you know, who at a lab, and we did it. And But there's also, I mean, there's so many other other aspects of developing a skincare line. Like The biggest aspect you, is the stupid, the packaging. Right, packaging. That's the biggest thing. You could spend all the money in the world, whatever you think, you're going to double it because it's packaging. So I picked, honestly, the most basic. I, that's all I could afford at the time. And it, actually, the irony is it's still the packaging I have today. And that at the time, in 2003, what was cool was like these diamond encrusted, and I was like this plain clinical packaging. And now everyone has that plain cl- clinical packaging. So, so, so I'd you, like to say I think I predicted the future, <laughs> but I didn't. I just had no money. <laughs> so you were, but you, so I mean, you were. You made all those choices. You made the choices of the packaging, um, the price points. You know, was it? I had these? lower price points, and people were like, "You need to go higher." I had a person who was trying to help me. She was like, "You need to have this beautiful package." She showed me all these examples of all these packaging. She's like, "Well, this cover is handmade in Korea, and the bottle is rubberized from Paris." And I'm like, "Dude, I can't just." Stop. It was almost like hiring like the big party planner who you know is going to spend all your money and you would have to spend the rest of your life making up for that debt. And I didn't want to do that. That's the biggest that's the biggest problem with people who start businesses is they spend way too much money up front. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I remember when I was in business school, um, someone was starting a business and and, and it was actually a skin a makeup retailer. And um I can't. She bought like a chandelier or something for a store, and I was like, "Do you know how many? Do you know how many like individual units you'd have to sell to break even on that chandelier?" Right. Do you think people are buying this product for that chandelier? I mean, I know they have to have a nice in-store experience, but like, I know. I, don't know. I mean, that's exactly how I. I hope she's felt. not listening to the show because she's a lovely person. But, well, uh, I mean, but a lot of people make that <laughs> mistake. They spend yeah. all this money before you start your business. You're thinking, "Oh, I'm going to start my business. I'm going to make a ton of money," and you're you're buying chandeliers. You're buying. I, I had a guy at a time at the time, um, my boyfriend at the time, that wanted me to buy these Barcelona chairs. You know how much those are? Like three thousand dollars a piece. I'm right. like, listen. I don't do not care what kind of chairs. My patients don't care what kind of chairs they're sitting in. Yeah, three thousand dollars—that's crazy. Yeah, so, they'll be happy if you're nice to them and, and yeah. you show a lot of care and yeah. interest. Yeah, I mean that was—that's a big mistake people make. You're totally right because like whenever people, uh, I sort of a little cheeky about it, but when they're like they come to me and they're like, "Hey, you're an entrepreneur. Can I get a little advice about starting my business?" I'm like, "Yes, keep your costs low." And your revenue high. Yeah. And I'm like, it, as silly as that sounds, like. But there's going to be somebody there who's giving you advice, whether you have somebody help design your office, paint this, do that, who is going to want you to spend an exorbitant amount of money, you yeah. know, and, and you have to say no. Right. And so you so you did that. You you you, you kept your your price points. Uh, well, I you, built you, my you, first website myself. Oh, well. I just didn't have money. You know, like I'm a doctor, I, but I was just starting out. So. You have to, you know, make it, fake it till you make it, I right. guess, right? So you built it, you just did all, I mean, I'm not such an expert. Uh, it was a landing kind of guy, page, but, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> and then I, you know, started to go from there. And I have a really nice one now that I actually hired someone to do. But in the beginning, like, I just did all that stuff myself. Everybody knows that entrepreneurs and small business owners need good websites to get their businesses off the ground. Customers rely on information they can find about your business on the internet to decide if they are going to use your product or service. Millions of entrepreneurs, 77 million in fact, 
have created their own professional websites using Wix.com, and the results are stunning. Wix gives you access to hundreds of customizable templates and easy drag-and-drop tools. You can get up and running today, no problem. Don't know how to code? Not an issue. There's no coding needed. You can go to Wix.com and sign up for an entirely free account today. No credit card required. Go to Wix.com today. How, um, like, how engaged were you? Not how engaged. I mean, how were you? Like, you're doing sort of doing two different things now. I mean, I know they relate now, but but it wasn't like that for a long time. For about ten years, I was just practicing. But even then, if you're you're, you're practicing and you've got your skincare line, like, how did you determine what attention you'd give to each? And it was always a hundred percent practice. The skincare line was a part of it, but I wouldn't work on that. I work on it at night, you know. So I still I, I I just did everything all at once. But it was back in the beginning. It was all the practice. Like the skincare line is definitely not that big. That's not that time consuming, you know. Right. You would think that it would be. It's not. What I'm doing now takes up more time. But the skincare line was like, you know, maybe a few hours every day. Maybe I donated one day a week to meet with designers and packaging and labs. But that didn't take a lot of time. But you talked about competitive. You were as a kid. Were you competitive in on, on the skincare line? Like I'm obsessive. Like I, I, I'm constantly benchmarking against, you know, last last month, last year, last you know, whatever three months, last year, etc. I mean, was that was that you? Were you like, look, with this sales is or with yeah, creating sales, it? Just sales. Were you just watching every day? Or were you like? Look, what happens, happens, and I'm enjoying no, it. No, there's no such thing as what happens, happens um, for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you do that, then nothing's going to happen. Um, no, I was very – I mean, I was very on top of it. Like, I loved that I could get up in the morning and I had all these sales overnight. That was great. Um, you know, but the problem with skincare is um, that over the past 10, 15 years, it really does not relate to how expert the person is creating it. Like, anyone can create a skincare line. I was on QVC – doing my skincare line and I was there with a guy who was a makeup artist who private labeled his and there was zero um, difference between how I could present mine and how he could present his. Right. Like I could have the best studies and the best scientific data but I'm not allowed to talk about that. I can only say improves the appearance of wrinkles and Mm. he said the same thing so it came down to what it looked like right. the packaging. Well, with Joy having just come out, come out now, here's the relevant question. How did you get on, I don't know if you saw that movie, Joy, where it was basically about uh, how, how uh, I'm forgetting the I the know, the girl name. who did the Swiffer or whatever, yeah, the so she got on, thing. on QVC and yeah. the, the, the origins of QVC. And, all, and it's actually, yeah. those scenes in particular are quite good. Yeah. How did you find your way to QVC? Um, the same way I find my way to anything. I just make calls and I keep bothering people until they say yes. <laughs> Nothing, it, I tell people, no one's going to give you anything in life except a bill, for real. Like, no one's going to come to you and say, we love you, we want. That That happens now because of what I've already done. People come to me saying, we love you, we want you to do this for us. But back then, no. We I had to call QVC. They came to my office after many, many calls to them, like many, many calls. Um, and she sat in front of me, the the buyer, and was like, I don't know, we already have all this stuff. Like, that's what she said. Right. And I'm like, well, why don't you just take it home and try it? Because I knew that, yeah, she had a lot of skincare creams, but I knew that my active ingredients worked, whereas the other stuff was just petroleum and lanolin. 
And the next thing you know, two weeks later, she calls me. She's like, oh, my God, come on. We want you on. So that's what happened. And is, that the, I mean, is, it, is it like in Jennifer Lawrence? That's the person I'm trying to think yes. of. That's pathetic. My brain doesn't work. No, Jennifer without Lawrence, about four cups bad. of coffee. Yeah. Um, I need five I've cups. I've only had one today. So. Yeah, I've had two. Um, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, is, is, you know, I hate to ask a question like, is it like in the movies? But were you on there and you can see the sales going and you're like, oh, this is this is good. This is this is like a, a fun thing to do. And it's exciting because I can see the, 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 the mouse in the wheel. I think that today, um, you as the guests don't see it. Maybe when they first started, right. everyone can see it. Today, the host, and you have to pray you get a host that you are not annoyed by because the host controls the show. She has the earpiece in the ear. She's the one talking. They're the ones feeding into her ear how much you sold. So when she says it out loud, we know, you know. Um, it's not quite as exciting as it was on Joy. But when they sell out, believe me, everyone's, it's sold out, it's sold out. So, yeah, it's pretty cool when that happens, which never happened to me. <laughs> I never sold out. I imagine it's it's incredibly challenging to be up there and to be. Uh... Yeah, and I have to tell you, like, I keep saying I, that was another thing that I got disenchanted by. I'm like, here I am putting my heart and soul into the skincare, But the problem is it's not telegenic. It's not like makeup or eyelashes or hair care people can't see what it does they only look at the package and they hear the host describing the skincare cream right. so i just quickly realized <coughs> that selling skincare on tv is really good if you have a lot of bells and whistles not if you actually have scientific fact that you're, doesn't that doesn't carry any weight believe it or not you're punished for simplicity you are punished for not being extravagant for sure. If you have a beautiful packaged bottle with a great pump and a great, this, you get much more sales than if it's a really, really good product in a simple package. It doesn't work as well on TV. So are like department stores a good place to sell this? or What, 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 is, a good what is a good venue? I'll tell you e-commerce. That's e the best way to do it. Social, especially with social media now and e-commerce, you know, and if you get, you get your product in the hands of an influencer, it's really good for you. Okay. So let's talk about the transition from you know, from, from doctor to personal brand. I mean, is this something that sort of happens slowly? Like, it was I a, think I was always a period. I think I always had an idea of what my brand was before people were calling it a brand. You know, I didn't choose it. It just sort of happened. I don't look like anyone else I went to med school with. I don't look like anyone else who I practice with. I never fit in. So I always figured, okay, why try and fit in? I am this way and this is who I am. And I guess that was my brand before I realized I had a brand. So, so what, what is your brand? What do, you, what do you think your brand is? Um, I think I'm more lifestyle, and I think I appeal to um, people on a on – a, the everyday woman has something to relate to and something to ask. I understand what they're asking because they've been asking it from the beginning of time. They're being misled, miseducated, and this is all educating the woman who is the consumer, you know, whether she's going in for – Botox, skincare, or just wanting to feel good about herself, um, you know, you know, mentally as well. So it's just that's become my brand because that's what I've had to overcome too. Like with me being a female with a bunch of males around me, everyone thinking I'm the nurse or I'm the assistant or I'm the freaking PA or whatever. Right. There's nothing wrong with those those careers, but when you're actually a physician and everyone's calling you nurse, it's a little annoying. Um, so I totally understand where that comes from, and and that's also. I think my brand. So, are you? Like, are there levels to? I mean, obviously, you know, um, you gotta you gotta build your brand from somewhere. So, how? Wh at what point were you like, okay, look, I'm I'm ready. I can do this. And like, what is? Well, what Bravo, is someone, what Bravo do? TV came knocking for Housewives of New York. 
And I was absolutely not ready for that. I'm like, I'm not a housewife. I can't be on that show. I don't, I just couldn't. That was the first time they came knocking and I'm just, I couldn't do it. I mean, at that time, I just couldn't do it. I wasn't ready. Um, I was way too into the whole physician and worrying about being a physician and and worrying about that. Um, I wasn't ready for it. But how did they know to find you? I have no idea. I never reached they just out. Showed up at your door Listen, one day and said, "Hey, it's social media." Yeah, they called. That's pretty much how it happened. They just called my office. So um, you, were, you were already. I mean, immersed I was in other channels. You were already not at in, all. Not on Instagram and what? what so what, I was what on year Facebook. What year did they come calling? Two thousand and eight. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize that franchise has been on that long. It's long. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like it was, two, it was definitely two thousand and eight. So I was only on Facebook, and I wasn't even like, you know. Really, I really just was on Facebook. I did what everybody else did on Facebook, snooped on everybody else's page. That's all I did. I mean, I would put up photos and tag it, but I really wasn't like, oh my God, all over it. And I, I, that was my really first social media. I didn't do MySpace. Um, so there's no playbook? You weren't approaching this like, okay, look, it's time to focus on nope. building a brand. I'm going to oh no. hire a PR agent. No. Nope. No. So just all it's brand just, finding it's, you. It's, you know what? This is the thing. I, I don't want to make it seem like it's un, unattainable. I think for me, it was a lot of common sense. And how am I going to spend my money wisely? If I have to run a skincare line in an office, am I going to have extra cash to pay three, five thousand dollars a month to a PR person, or am I going to use everything I know to reach out to the same people they're going to reach out to? You know, and it's it's for me, it's it was common sense. Bravo came knocking the first time. I said no. Um, I did do a couple of castings for that show because they said let's just get your face in front of them because you don't know what's going to come up later, which is exactly what happened. Then a couple of years later, they contacted me for the show that I did end up doing, and that really opened up all the doors for me. Um, because I used that, you know, kind of media exposure to build my social media and do other things from it. So in the intermittent period, what were you doing to, to kind of build your brand as well? In the period <clears throat> between... Between um, Housewives, which you didn't do, and the Singles Project, which you did. I, I just... Um, it's interesting because I think most of what I did was really based on being on the show. Because between the time that they cast me for the first one and the second one, I found that, holy crap, I really like this. And so I just made mm-hmm. myself more um, you know, available to people that wanted to talk to me about it. Because there were a lot of people that came through the door after that for whatever reason. And I, my Instagram was private. I, it was really honestly focusing on my medical career and then starting to get like Facebook pages and use that social media more frequently. And I never really hired a publicist. I, I hired a publicist after I was on the show and I, I, they didn't last very long because I think people are much more approachable on social media than they are when they're off of it. If you get to the point where you're so busy, then it's probably a good time to hire a publicist. But I found that they never really... Maybe I've hired the wrong ones, you know. I've I've had some tricky experiences with, right? with, with with PR because it's hard to measure. Like, like oh, you know, and especially in advance, like we're going to get you placements. Like, how do you know? And they don't get paid on the basis of placements. No. They get paid on the promise of placements. And then this is another thing too. I had one publicist who wanted me to give him like you know thousands of dollars worth of product that he was going to give to all of these bloggers to post, and I don't think any of them posted it. Right. And maybe one did. But um, I remember thinking, you know, I've got these reality stars coming to see me. I've got these, you know, celebrities coming to see me. They're taking pictures of it. And I'm, yet I just gave this guy $1,000 worth of product. And I'm paying him monthly. So for me, it's just hard. It's very logical. Like, am I getting a return on investment? Imagine if you came to me as a doctor and I said to you, yeah, I'm going to do this procedure, but I can't guarantee that it's going to work. But you still have to pay me $3,000. Right. Would you do it? 
Um, I wouldn't. Yeah, and that's kind of how, I don't know, I, just, I, I feel like publicists are. Same thing, like no agent at all? Or have, do you have an no. agent now? No, so I don't all, have an agent. Just all, it's just all hard work and, and grittiness? Believe it or not, yeah. I think that people get caught up in thinking that they need an agent, they need a publicist. It's just, just do the work. I would imagine that as a doctor you could work around the clock if you really wanted to. Um, yeah. But there, there could always be another appointment that you could put in your schedule. I've, I, I remember somebody said this to me. If it's if you're working hard, doing something you hate doing, it's called stress. If you're working hard doing something you love doing, that's your passion. You know, then it's not stressful. So that's how I look at it. So you're 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 not finding it stressful to be a doctor. You're finding to be pa you're passionate about being a doctor, and I'm oh. just saying in general what I'm doing. Okay. You know, not one or the other. Like if I were stressed out by it, that means I don't like it. You know. Yeah, I mean, but how do you how do you is there is there a is there a, a real thought process and like, okay, I'm gonna commit a couple of hours to, to brand building or is just like everything is just take it as it comes and, and, and I'll just work hard the, on, I'll go in all cylinders and, and make everything happen. Yeah, I, I, for me, I can't, I have to actually dedicate free time. That's the truth. Like, okay, I am not gonna work on Saturday. Right. That's how I look at it. Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast, is also supported by Upnest. Upnest is the best way to hire local realtors, and fast. Here's how Upnest works. You will tell them about your needs and preferences, and they will filter out agents based on your information. You'll receive proposals with tons of information, and you can pick your agent for free. There's no obligation, and everything stays anonymous. Other websites will give you just one option and tell you what's best for you. At Upnest, you call the shots. You can view all the things that matter in one place, years of experience, reviews, performance, and qualifications of your realtor. With Upnest, you'll save thousands in fees with multiple top local agents competing for your business. Upnest works with agents with great stats who are top rated on Yelp and Zillow. Upnest offers free in-home consultations and their service is completely free. Visit Upnest at tryupnest.com. That's tryupnest.com. Or call now at 888-333-449. And if you didn't get that, you can just scroll back, press back 15 seconds, and you'll be able to listen to that number again. Or you can just look online at tryupnest.com. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. And, I mean, this is kind of a, an obvious question, but mm -hmm. I mean, do, how do you, is there ever a moment you're like, look, I just, I just want, some, I want my privacy. I don't want to be a... And then I take I it. I take it. I, I'd get off the grid for sure. You know, like, you know, the thing, this is another question that people ask me too. Like when you are your own personal brand, um, I had, a, I had, I spoke at a woman's seminar and the, one of the women said, you know, I'm my own personal brand. Like sometimes I just, you know, what's your best advice for someone who's their own personal brand? And my best advice is other than don't spend all your money at once. When you need to take a break, take a break. It's okay. Like if you're the one doing all the talking and the walking and in front of the camera or, in, or the face of your brand and say you get up one day and you're just exhausted, take the day off. Just right. take care of yourself, you know, because then you're going to come back feeling really good about getting back in there. If yeah. you feel yourself burning out, just get off the grid. I imagine that like burnout is, is, a, yeah, is a huge risk because like I, I think to there, there are certain um, professions that, I, that where you're – you're truly, I mean, look, everyone's selling themselves in, in some capacity every day, yeah. but where it's really, it's just you. And like, I think about 
comedians or even golfers who, who it's like it's there's there's no like team to rely on yeah. I mean, sure maybe there's some sketch troops whatever but like a comedian is out there I, I've seen I go it's one of my hobbies I go to, to clubs in New York frequently and you're like you're only as good as your last performance in, yeah. uh, you know and and and, um, and it's tough and it's a grind and I'm just like it's sort of the same thing with personal brand. I mean, I know you're a doctor and you've got a little bit of, you know, clearly you've got a good fallback, but like, it's tough to be out there selling yourself all the time. Yeah, especially because there's so many other people doing it that are, you know, the funniest thing that people say to me is, you actually have credibility. I'm like, that's funny that that's a, that's a sentence because I guess that means, what that means is a lot of people out there that have a platform that have no credibility. So do you benchmark against anyone or, or, or against... Yeah. Yeah. What do you? How, what's the benchmark? Mean, Tell me the benchmark. My process. benchmarks are are way up here. Like I'm looking at people that are like you know Jennifer Lopez level or like you know I can't what's that Mark Cuban level. Like those are my benchmarks. Like right. why not? You know why does there have to be a ceiling? Why can't it just be like wide open where where I can do whatever I want? I don't benchmark myself against necessarily my friends anymore. I benchmark myself against, okay, that person has made this much money doing this many things. And also, you know, there's some other kind of really cool, like I obviously got my, my, my media coverage in the reality world. There's been other stars out there who have done so much um, with their reality beginnings. And that's like, I hate to bring this woman up all the time, but like Bethany Frankel, like look what that woman has done. And she's someone I benchmark against, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit in those people. It's interesting that you picked all these all these stars as opposed to like the doctors, like the Dr. Oz, the Dr. Phil, the whatever. I like Dr. Oz. I like Dr. Phil, but I'm not the same as them. You know, like my from here on out, I'm not just focusing on the doctor part. I'm focusing on the whole entrepreneurial part of the lifestyle thing. You know, I'm always going to be a doctor. People are always going to ask me questions. That's always going to be the forefront. But I don't want to pigeonhole myself into just doing that. You know, because uh, I've done a lot for speaking on empowering women as well and young girls. And I think that's important to me, too, especially I have two nieces and I want them to have another role model type out there than the ones that are out there now. So you, you talked about how the how Bravo came calling for the housewives and then you you said no, but but ultimately you end up on the singles project. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, yeah, let's do it. Like, what was the decision-making process around? I was ready. Around, I was yeah. ready. You know what? I think that the Bravo calling me for the Housewives was, I was I was fearful of it. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this. I also didn't know, you have to be pretty public. And I just didn't know if I wanted to do it. But something about the casting process, because even though I didn't want to do it and I wasn't ready, they still said, just go through the process. And that taught me one major thing that I was actually pretty good at it and I actually liked it and that the world would not blow up if I went on reality TV. I was still going to be a doctor. No one could ever take that away from me. And by the time between those two years, I had a lot more exposure to it. Um, by the time they came knocking, I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so how long did it take for the show to shoot? And did you, did you have to like, did you have to shut down your practice during that time? It was rough on the practice. People think it was good for the practice. It was terrible for my practice. Really? Because people saw me on t TV and they automatically assumed that I was just a celebrity that wasn't going to take their, you know, calls. Mm. And so, and it was rough because I could barely practice. I mean, um, our filming schedule was so brutal and we never really knew when they were going to use us. Like, at first, they're like, well, you're going to have Mondays and Tuesdays off and then all of a sudden we're filming on Mondays and Tuesdays or we're doing press. So it was really tough. It didn't help my practice while I was filming. How long did it go on for? 
it's like typical I think it's it's not quite as long as like a housewives thing but it was like well, four or five months it's a right. long time oh wow that is a long time yeah so four or five months you're sort of on, yeah, on, on call may, but may not, not as a doctor more. no you're working I, I'm saying you're, you're on call for, for the show basically but <laughs> I'm like l- yeah. less than on call as a doctor you're filming four days a week right yeah okay. filming four days a week and so I tried to fit in my practice in, in that it was it was kind of tough but you know I loved it um, at the end of the day if I had to do it all over again I would make sure they gave me a schedule ahead of time if you know but that, that you know you don't know it's your first time you don't know was it good for the skincare line did you find a surge in sales yeah, there yeah absolutely because you could sell it on social media right so yeah. appearance on the singles project maybe I don't know if it made up for it directly one to one but it, but it was still it was lucrative it was a barbell or, you, or a seesaw where you, mm, you, had, yeah, you had a little the, bit less for your practice a yeah. little bit more for your you make more line. money practicing than you do sell I mean unless right. I'm selling millions of dollars worth of product you know like you get a few patients and doing a few procedures that's still far more than selling product so how do you keep momentum like after a show which is big exposure how do you keep your momentum going the biggest mistake people make is thinking that people are still care six months later <laughs> you know like it's about you, as honest as you can get it's the truth um, you know I, I know that I see people on shows and then they do their show and they just kind of ride on the fact that they were on a show I was on a show nobody cares you're not Angelina Jolie I'm just mm. being honest <laughs> with you you're not Brad Pitt you're a, a celebrity at, at as a reality celebrity and to be honest at best we're you know D-level you know celebrities so I don't really look at myself like that I look at myself like I've had this exposure on television I have the recognizability and I still have that and what am I going to do with it am I going to sit there and wait for someone else to pick me up do another show that will be the death of you Mm -hmm. I decided I wasn't going to put my life on hold waiting for another show because networks take forever and you have to still do things so you start to develop an even more robust social media presence around this time, mm-hmm. and one thing I was pretty fascinated by is you were you, you spoke at like what, I think the first Periscope conference, first or something and like that. second, yeah. And I mean, I think Periscope, like I, I sort of you know it's, thinking to myself like it was in its infancy then, but it's sort of still in its infancy I now. I think it's like a year old. Um, That's yeah. it. I'm um, sure there might be people who don't know what it is. It's, yeah, it's, it's live streaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just just voice, right? Or can you do video? No too? video. There you yeah. go. It's hundred percent live streaming. You just turn. Listen, the smart somebody said this to me recently. You have everything you need to become famous in your pocket. It's called your smartphone. You know, I might not be on Bravo right this second. Um, I don't know when I'm going to be back on. However, I have my phone, and you can broadcast live. You can put Instagram stuff up. You have everything you need to be famous when, in your pocket in your phone, and um, and you just have to do the work. It's the truth especially I, now you can I, put yourself out there I just find it be so amazing that you were you were so ahead of the curve that you were asked to speak at a conference about Periscope I know you know what happened when I turned Periscope I'm like what is this and I just press the button the next thing you know it's pointing at me taking my image like and I and people are commenting and I was like what do I do with this and I just turned it off right away after like five minutes I'm like oh my god is this live what is this and then I looked at what everybody else was doing on Periscope and the majority of women on Periscope were doing a lot of nudity, a lot of, mm. it was just, if you looked at like the top five Periscopers um, of the women, mm. the top three were like, you know, bikini girls, things like that. And I remember thinking, well, this is crap. Why aren't there women doing what the men are doing? The men are educating, the men are talking about using Periscope, the men are doing real things why do the women have to be the ones doing the stupid stuff in my opinion i thought that was a waste of time so i started educating i started talking about this is why my patients asked me today what do i do about acne what have i done people loved it and periscope caught on and they're like hey you know what you're a, a female that's educating on periscope 
can you come talk at our conference? And I was like, sure. <laughs> Are you? I mean, are you? You're, are you someone who's just like devouring tech press? Like, are you? Are you always I've trying always. to stay on the? I'm not. I just have edge? always liked it. I don't know why. My sister is not like me at all, and I can't explain it. It's just genetic. I don't know how. I can't explain it. You know, people are like Snapchat. I don't get it. And I was the one telling them a year and a half ago to get on it. Isn't that where people take photos of themselves and da da da? And like, it's becoming a marketing thing now. And I don't know why. I just like it. I just love that there's that connectivity to the entire world from your phone. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Megan O'Connor from Human Ventures was in last week, and she was Snapchatting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't understand what I'm doing that is Snapchat worthy. Like, I I actually, I mean, I sort of poke fun at myself on the show with this, but a lot of the stuff I just, I... Yeah, I feel like a like an eighty year old. Oh, it's I don't so important. I mean, it just depends. For me, it's a really important. Like, I, I was Snapchatting at this event that I went to for this guy who was launching his shoes, and he's like, "Doesn't it like last for seven minutes?" I'm like, "No, twenty four hours." But what does it do? I'm like, "You don't know how many people are watching this. You're you're giving them little tidbits, and then you can download it, upload it onto YouTube, and call it your vlog." It's like that. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. Anything I say makes right. sense. <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking offline on how to, how to execute on this uh, on, right. the, on this online strategy because yeah. I'm, I'm a dinosaur. I've, I've hired a team to do it for, I mean, in, in-house for, yeah. for my companies. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff does, I'm that person you're talking about yeah. and making fun of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but for me, it, it works because I do a lot of direct face-to-face, you know, ad, uh, advice. If I were, I don't know, I don't know, if I were like a garage mechanic, maybe it's not that big of a deal to do it, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. But it's also great to have that, if it, it's not that hard, it's not that intimidating. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think Gary Vaynerchuk, who um, started like the whole VaynerMedia thing by mm-hmm. just doing a ton of, I think, uh, by doing a ton of, of YouTube posts, uploads, whatever you want to call them, about wine. He was just really passionate, basically became a hyper-passionate wine salesman, and his business just exploded. And um, you know, now he's got offices all around the world. So Do you have any idea to... how much some of these girls that are makeup artists get paid for their posts or get paid for their YouTube videos? You, I do not. It's mind-boggling. You really want to know? I want to know. Um, if you have more than $500,000 500, followers, you can get paid anywhere from seven to $10,000 a post. A post? A post, yes. Wow. And then you can have brands <clears throat> sending you products to review. Because it's, for example, um, there's a small brand that's a brand new you know, makeup brand, and they just get their um, product out to these big, you know, YouTube stars and they sell out and they make millions of dollars because these people are, are buying their stuff and it's insane the amount of money these girls make mm. and they just started by getting on social media so it's funny because if I were in middle school right now I'd probably be doing that you know right. what I'm saying instead of trying to go to medical school but I mean you, you said you had nieces wouldn't you be worried would you, are you I don't know how old they are but would you be worried about them I having strong social them. media presences no well I first of all I don't put my family on my social media um, I don't know what's going to happen when they become older. We're just going to have to figure it out. I'm sure there's going to be. How old are they? They're only four or four. Okay. Yeah, they're okay. little. I don't know what's going to happen. Like okay. in terms of social media, is going to change a lot. But my sister said to me, she's like, I'm so glad you're so into it because you're going to be the one watching them. She better believe I will be. <laughs> it's scary stuff. I've got a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very hesitant about it already. And it's like, what, 10 years, I don't know, seven, eight years away? No, I mean, by the time that they are going to be doing social media, hopefully, it's going to be a lot different. There's going to be more crazy things out there. And so 
that's not why I'm keeping on top of it, but it's not going to hurt. So wh- where do you take your personal brand? Like I, I, maybe this is this is a good place to, to to kind of wrap a little bit. But I mean, where do you you know you got the you've got your practice, you know, you've got your profile as a public person, you got your skincare line, you've got your podcast on Play It as well, so yeah. people should listen to that. Yeah. Um, you know, is there anything in particular that you, that you're that you're working yes. towards? Yes. Okay. Um, I've got my podcast here, which I love. These guys it's are fun. great here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm writing a book. Okay. And that's going to be a really cool book. It's not going to be like how to be pretty. It's literally going to be the the crazy pre the the people that come in um, that I've seen over the years that have could have it could have gone really wrong and how I really helped them for it not to go wrong because there's a lot of people who get cosmetic procedures and they go the wrong route and um, it's sort of that tale of everyone I've seen throughout the years. So it's not it's more of a cautionary tale from a doctor. You know, has dealt with that. Um, I have a digital talk show that we're doing. Oh wow! And so that's going to okay. be really cool, and that's going to be a lot of the expert segments. And and the thing is, digital is is right there. It's live. It's ready to go. You know. And then we're going to pitch it to networks. So we've got a couple that are interested. But like I said, you never know with the networks. You just never know. I mean, it can be yes, we're going to take it tomorrow, or it can be in two years. So, but I know the digital thing is happening right away. So you're, you're taking you're taking your digital talk and saying, hey, look, this is what it would look like live on NBC, no, whatever. Like, no, we have networks that are interested. No, I know. I'm saying so. You would networks that are interested in making this into a full scale, yeah, ta- like talk yeah. show. Obviously, they tweak it a little bit. Like right. it wouldn't be just how it is on the digital aspect of me. Just, but the whole concept of tweaking it so it's more telegenic. But you know, we'll see what happens with that. But I know that the digital TV world is where it's at. I don't know what's going to happen with networks in five, six years. You know, right. like when you have Netflix, I look at it like. A network is like an abacus, right? You can only go one at a time. There can only be one 8 o'clock spot, one 8.30 spot. But on Netflix, there can be 100 shows on there, and you can watch any of them. Right. So that's kind of where I think the future is. Huh. So that's uh, man, that's pretty ambitious. So you've got the, the book and yeah. um, a digital talk show, potentially leading to a, to a full-scale talk show. Um, that's exciting. I, yeah. I guess we'll... We'll have stay to sit tuned. back and watch and stay tuned. I still, it's a roller coaster for me too. I wake up every morning like, let this be the day. <laughs> Do you want to give a shout out to some of the places where people can can find you on Instagram and all those things? While while you're, I'll let you wrap with that. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, uh, my Instagram and my Twitter, is, my Periscope is all at Tabasum, T A B A S U M. I'm here on Play It. It's Glam Mirror, G L A M M I R, and my Facebook is Dr. Tabasum Mirror. Perfect. Well, Thank thanks you. so much for joining today. I hope I was helpful. Yeah, you're fantastic. <laughs> thanks. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.